0: Hello, my friends. Today we are talking to Aria, the co founder of Wildtype, and we discuss the process and technology needed to grow real meat from salmon cells, the emergence of cellular agriculture, and how technology is shaping the future of food. All of this right here, right now, on the Modern CTO Podcast. Here we go. This is the Modern CTO Podcast. hello, hello, hey, how are you? I'm super excited. Do I pronounce your first name R- ya yeah? it's aria aria oh yeah guys. Exactly. see my my production team when they spelled it phonetically, I was like, I don't think so. I don't <laughs> think that's how we're gonna say it so
1: yeah, it's a bit of an home.
0: unusual one, but uh, are you having a good day?
1: having a good day yeah it's a it's a it's a nice day in San francisco um it's uh having moved here from from the east coast it's uh it's it's still amazing to me that in january um you can just kind of walk outside and not be you know just completely um you know affected by by the cold in in the same way so yeah it's nice here
0: yeah it's cold down here in florida too usually it's hot all year this is one of the first cold seasons we have but i just connected a couple dots okay so say again how you pronounce your name aria okay so my daughter's name is aria and I have a bunch of friends who are like acidic Jews and they were like, Oh, you chose a strong male name for your daughter.
1: And I was <laughs> like,
0: I don't know what you're talking about. I took it from like the musical element of Aria. Right. It's, it's the Italian music. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so they, they all, they all uh, were like, Oh, how's your son? And I'm like, no. <laughs> <laughs> right.
1: Yeah. It's um. It, it's, there's also a third one, which is more of the, the kind of like Aria. That's the, you know, the Aryan race. And I often, you know, um, Many people from India will name their their children Arya as well. So there's the Italian one, and mine means lion, which uh, yeah is usually used for um, uh, used for a guy. Although Ariel or Ariella, it's the same thing, and um, and it's the same meaning. Just mean means lion. Nice, strong,
0: strength, lion. I like <laughs> right. it. Is that how you feel inside? Is that like your inner some days. inner energy? Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. Uh, <laughs> I think <laughs> when <laughs> I think when you uh, um yeah na- names are important you know when you go through life you know feeling like you're you're named after a lion i, I know people who are named zev which means wolf um or Dove, which means bear um i think you you definitely adopt some of these uh yeah, there there's something that you you identify with for sure um when, when
0: when when that's your name and so to try to like connect it back do lions eat salmon i want to <laughs> know so I, this is not like uh a podcast on like the lineages of like names and things of that nature. I heard my production team, they were saying, guys, you gotta check this out. They're using technology and they're making artificial salmon and Maybe we don't like that word. I don't know. But I know nothing about this industry. I got to learn there's like this whole cellular, like cellular art, agriculture industry, yeah. if I'm saying that correctly. Mm-hmm. And when I saw your website and what you were doing, I thought the brand was beautiful. I thought it was really cool. And I Thank wanted you. to just talk with you and, and be like, what are you doing?
1: <laughs> yeah, it's it's kind of, um, it's a strange thing to think about. I think, you know, for for me, it really sort of just started with the question of do we need animals to have meat? which is a weird one, because we always think about, you know, meat having, you know, comes from from animals. But I think there's there's a time in in every child's uh, life that, you know, they sort of make the connection that, um, you know, when they're eating chicken, for example, that 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 was a chicken or <laughs> they're eating fish, that that was a fish. And and, you know, it's something that we all kind of you know go through. And it's um, we, we sort of learn to to accept that that we rely on animals as a source of meat. And I uh, actually grew up in, in Australia and, and was was traveling there um, during residency um, after uh, I'd finished that medical school and, and was was thinking about this and all of the advancements that had been made in stem cell technology and uh, how how we could use these to you know potentially just grow the same thing that we would need for you know to to consume the same meat and seafood just outside of the animal? And, um, and that's where all of this, you know, kind of um began for me. So it's it's kind of a, a fascinating question. So yes, um, at, at Wild Type, that that is what we do. We um, grow seafood and salmon in particular from from their cells, and but just grow the parts that we would consume. Um, you know, typically, in either farmed fish or fish that are caught wild. About half of the the fish is typically discarded. You know, these are parts that we don't typically eat, right? Um, the, the you know the tails, the fins, the heads, the, the a lot of the, the internal organs, and and so why not just you know create what what we need to?
0: That sounds pretty cool. You know, in two thousand I think like two thousand eleven or twelve. Ah, uh, so my brother and uh, like stepmom are both physicians. Oh, okay. And so I always get to like pull stuff out of technology world because I know nothing about like the medical stuff. I pull pull stuff over and then ask them questions, and we have good good dinner conversations. And I had seen this YouTube video of them like printing uh, like a liver or a heart, and they like they had retrofitted this printing machine to print cells and layer them and. Yeah. B- basic concept, right? And so I was like, the first thing is I w- my first instinct was frustration. If I'm watching like a scientist in a home lab print an organ, <laughs> why is it that we have shortages on these lists and it's gonna take 10 years for these things to get approved? Like, let's put a fast track stamp on that, right? Um, and th- and then the second thing was like that's unbelievable how these these cells can grow. Cause I mean, we're just collections of these cells that are replicating, and so I thought it was absolutely fascinating that you could just like grow p- the part of the salmon that we eat. Like, what is it? What does it look like? Like, do you are you doing this right? By the way, is this like already done? Like, can, have you eaten the grant the salmon?
1: Yeah, of course. Uh, we have, you know, I, I, on our website, th- those, those pictures are of what we have created. And so we, we work to create the, the kind of the muscle cells and, and you know, the fat cells and the connective tissue and all, all the kinds of things that don't, don't sound so appetizing on their own, but they are the, the, the you know, such an important part of, of what um, the, the whole experience of, uh, of seafood and, and salmon in particular, but, but you're right, you know, these, these kinds of Technologies really only became a thing um, within the last, you know, decade to, to fifteen years. I'd say that you know, if, if there was one thing that uh, one discovery that that kind of um, propelled it further than than anything else. It was one that came in in around 2006 uh, in a lab in in Japan in Kyoto um, in the, the lab of Professor Shinya Yamanaka and he his lab discovered that we could create stem cells from ordinary skin cells. Uh, before then, um, embryos were the only sources of of stem cells. And by stem cell, I mean these are these are cells that have two remarkable features. They they're able to to double faster than any. Cell in the body, and they can become any any cell in the body. They can become a, a neuron, a liver cell, a, you know, anything. And so, for exactly the reason you're you're describing in terms of you know like organ transplantation and so forth, this this became um, now it opened a, a whole new like world of of potential for um, rather than than waiting for for donors. If, for example, I would need a, a new liver at some point, the idea is from one of my skin cells, we grow a new liver, put it back in me. And it's, you know, it's my cells and um, I, we wouldn't sort of, you know, need to go on medications to suppress the immune system and all of these things. So, yeah, I thought about this a lot in in residency. I, I actually did did grad school, did my Ph.D. Um, Mostly in Japan, in the same university, in the same institute that um, Professor Yamanaka's group was around the same time, and it was a very, very inspiring uh, moment for me. And then came back to uh, to the U.S. and um, finished uh, uh, med school. And it was in residency that I was sort of thinking about these um, the, these uh, technologies and and what we could do with them beyond the biomedical
0: sciences for for food. And with your time in Japan. It seems fitting that like the picture on your homepage is sushi, right? And that, that's <laughs> right, like, a lot of right. your example. Cause it's like over there, it's an art. It's a very real thing to, you spend like years as like an underling. And yeah, I, I saw a very brief like documentary type thing on it. And I was like, I was like, Whoa, it's like a sacred thing to be a chef over there. And so do you, do you know, the one thing that's like, would hold me up on this sushi thing, or like the 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 meat in general. What is it? I just want to be like, okay, so yeah, I want to hear it. I I'm all for it, hundred mm-hmm. percent. I've got a daughter. We talked to her earlier, Aria. Yeah. Um, and when we drive her to to school to daycare, we drive by cows and horses, and and like trying to explain to her like that's a hamburger. You you can kind of feel the tension there, right? Like right. I like meat. That's cool. Uh, but it, it feels hard to explain it to this sweet little girl, right? And so. Uh, I'm for it, but everything I've tried is like, so not close to it. And I, th- yeah. I know that it's got to progress, but like how, how on point is your salmon? <laughs> yeah, no, no, that's, that's a
1: great question. And particularly, you know, for starting a food company, I think it's, it's very different from, let's say something like software where you can have betas and you can sort of, people will, um, really judge the 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 product based on how it tastes and it's it's a very it's a very visceral feeling that people have you, you know i will say that some of the challenges that let's say the plant based industry has faced is you're sort of taking plant proteins breaking them down and then sort of recreating something that approximates meat and and seafood and and that's a very difficult thing i'd say particularly in the case of something like like salmon that has very subtle flavors uh, particularly wild caught, you know, just fresh out of the rivers or or the or the ocean, salmon will have this 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 very um kind of um, I, i'd say it's, it's it's an elusive kind of flavor, but it is a very subtle one. And so to the advantage we have in creating meat in this way is that we are actually working with the same cells that are growing you know within salmon to create that salmon meat. And more than just the the taste, you know these cells are, are programmed to become things like muscle and fat. And, and it starts with this sort of, you know, ultra structure, this, the structure of, of the, the, um, the cells, how they align with each other, how they organize and mature. And, and from, from that kind of microscopic level, um, the, the wonders of, of salmon as meat, uh, you know, sort of uh, develop. And so, so, you know, we, are still, you know, working on, you know, figuring out exactly which nutrients the cells love the most to become our favorite cuts of, you know, uh, of, of of salmon. How do, um, you know, cells decide to become to take up more fats, for example, or become more lean? And so these are things that that we've had to do as part of our R um, and D in house. And I will say though. It tastes like salmon. It's you know something that that needs to get better, um, uh, and and we are making better every day. But that's uh, that's something that we we've you know I I can tell you, and I and I hope someday very soon you you'll you know be able to try it as
0: well. Yeah, that's what I was asking. I, I said, "Hey, did they ship us some salmon?" And then <laughs> we're like, "It's early." So I was like, "What is it? Like a million dollars a pound?" Like. <laughs>
1: Yeah. You know, when we started, if we were to have made, um, let's say a a pound of salmon in the way that we were were doing it, which was a very inefficient system, just because we were using the most sort of like pure, refined pharma grade (laughs) ingredients and nutrients for these cells, it probably would have cost something like $400,000 a pound. So that's, (laughs) it's changed a lot since then, since 2016. And, but, but certainly, you know, one of the, the most important aspects of, of all of this is reaching a a price point that is um, not just equivalent to, um, to salmon, but, um, but even at some point below that. You can imagine there's there's so many inefficiencies of, of our uh, current uh, system of, of producing uh, fish and, and seafood. Um, not, not only do we have to either pull the fish out of the water or sort of like farm them, um, usually that sort of starts on land, then goes out to uh, the, the areas along the coast, and then they have to be harvested and processed and distributed and all these kinds of things. And in the US, a, a large percentage of of the fish that are caught are actually sent offshore, often to places like Asia for processing and then come back to the U.S. And it's just, you know, in, insane to <laughs> think about all of these kinds of, you know, issues of traceability and just the inefficiency of all of that. And so for for us, you know, we believe eventually we'll... Have the uh, the nutrients, um, you know, in, in in a sort of like you know food grade formulations that we feed the cells the same things that they would be eating uh, in the wild, um, without some of the you know toxins and contaminants that that we kind of um, accept as a part of uh, seafood today, and um, and get bring bring down the costs in, in those ways.
0: How well? Where's the cost at today?
1: It's still you know, it's something that that changes from week to week. um I'd say you know, around two orders of magnitude less than than when we had begun. um still haven't achieved the 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 cost of conventional fish um today, but are are definitely working towards that
0: that is awesome. I, first of all, I'm very excited. Just <laughs> seeing it, you know, if you had just said it cut cut in half in three or four years, like that would have been awesome. but mm-hmm. it cut even more in half and that is that is very very exciting like I I do you feel like a very rich man when you're trying it when you're eating it <laughs> <laughs> I you know just knowing all of the
1: sort of work that that goes into it and uh, I I'd say that you know the the, the team, that, um, that that we have at at Wild Type is, is just such a such a passionate such you know sort of like hardworking and just you know wonderful wonderful people that it it's sort of you know for me it's 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 always an, an appreciation of of that more than uh, more than anything else more than the actual you know cost of of what, <laughs> what it takes to to produce it.
0: Nice, you're good with words. Uh, <laughs> uh, I like you already. Okay, so. I'm curious because I'm an entrepreneur, I own a business, mm-hmm. um, you do as well. When we talk about cost of salmon, are you um, taking like the entire cost, like operationally of your existence and dividing that by how much it's produced or are you talking about the cost of the goods to actually create it?
1: Yeah, that's, that's a great question. You know, when, when we do our cost estimates, typically we'll leave the um you know capex is 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 one thing um and we'll look at all of the cost drivers to actually produce uh to produce it once those you know capex uh, expenses are, are accounted for in other words just assuming that we have the equipment and 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 so forth so for that it's things like what are the inputs um what are the you know utilities that go into sort of keeping these things going? Um, I'd say that the the inputs and in particular labor, which maybe you know startups at, at early stages like ours don't often don't often account for. Um, but that labor is, is the one that, um, you know, ultimately as we sort of increase the scale of production, those efficiencies of scale will, will help to to reduce those costs. So, so really is, is, is labor, um, the, the various inputs and, and by inputs, I mean things like the nutrition that, that we, um, feed the cells with these are, you know, just things like, um, proteins, fats, sugars, the, the same kinds of things that a, a fish or any organism uh, requires. And then, you know, the way that we grow them is similar to a kind of like a brewery type system. And so if you can imagine, you know, these sort of uh, very, very similar to what we you know, what we know of in the, the fermentation industry, and uh, that that's, that's often a, a model we, we use to sort of, you know, think about what scaling looks like, um, and uh, and 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 so the, the, that's really sort of how we calculate the costs.
0: Is is it at a point today where you could take like you could take a seasoned cut of this fish, cooked seasoned, mm-hmm. uh, and swap it out on someone's plate at a restaurant, and they wouldn't know the difference?
1: I don't think so. Because when we say seasoned cut, that often means something, you know, like a like a salmon steak. And that level of complexity is one that um, I believe we will achieve, but have not yet achieved. And I think that if you were to look at a spectrum from, you know, at, at the sort of one end, it's kind of like minced salmon that you would, you know, have like in a spicy salmon roll, for example. And on the other end of the spectrum is like your finest salmon steak that is you know just <laughs> absolutely perfect in every way i'd say that that most uh startups in in our space and us uh, included have not yet achieved that you know kind of like uh, amazing um super complex uh salmon steak and so i you know bet when it comes to maybe less complex um, cuts uh like what you'd see on a uh in in different you know maki or nigiri um, uh, type of preparations or even smoked salmon on a bagel. Um, we've, we've done this and, and, you know, just kind of with, with, with us. And, um, and, and it, it really tastes very, very similar. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's more similar than not. I think that there's still some things that if you sort of like, you know, look very closely, um, the cells have just grown in a different environment, and so they they grow, uh, you know, a little bit differently. Um, those are things that we're working to sort of, you know, make closer and closer to what you you have in the wild, and just sort of encouraging the cells to to do the same thing that they would within within a salmon. But um, but we've gotten pretty far in terms of you know that kind of comparison, and and. And you know, importantly, I think that the nutrition is is uh, is is a really you know critical component of all of this. One of the reasons why, um, so I'm you know I'm a cardiologist and you know still still work in the the intensive care unit and and think about the the health benefits of of these kinds of things and and wanted to to create a product that um, is you know a rich source of. Protein of omega-3 fatty acids, and you know, just generally for for whatever that it this term means is is sort of good for you is is at least you know nutritious, and of course free of the things that we were talking about like mercury, microplastics, and all of these other you know things that that exist in in seafood today. And so it's it's not only do we think that reaching equivalence in terms of the sensory aspects is important, but also the nutritional equivalence is is something that um, that we strive for.
0: Yeah, I love the fact that you remove the pollutant concept (laughs) from it. Right. You don't remove pollutants from it. I I meant from like the the life cycle of we usually fear where we're fishing uh, based off of potential contaminants. But what you do is you get these like best of breed salmon cells and then you produce you like amplify those.
1: Exactly. Yeah, that's that's exactly what it is. And, you know, things like Mercury should never be found in our fish, <laughs> things, <laughs> things like arsenic. And, you know, like that there's, there's no reason why, why that should, should be there. And so to be able to create a product with all of the same nutritional benefits and without all of those, you know, I'd say more deleterious kind of, you know, consequences of, of these uh, contaminants is I think one of the the greatest things that, that our industry can, uh, can offer.
0: Are you going to take like a Tesla? Like I'm kind of seeing you as the Elon Musk of salmon. <laughs> <laughs> I like but, that. <laughs> yeah. And we'll say that the, uh, the salmon steak is your Mars, right? You're going to get the whole team to go there. But, yeah. but do you, when will it be out? Like, do you have a price point like are you going to take that that concept that musk did where he puts out like a luxury car first that helps pave the way so the more affluent people will be able to purchase it that will then drive the adoption of it and finally the ultimate goal is low cost Salmon for everybody—that's extremely healthy, like his with the cars. It, are you going yeah. to release it soon? Or so there, there are a lot of similarities
1: um, in terms of that that model. Um, ultimately, our goal is to have a meaningful, you know, environmental impact and one on you know food security. There's just the the population of this earth. You know, is just growing, and uh, the the demand for meat and seafood is is just increasing so much that our current ways of producing uh, meat and seafood, and in particular for for seafood, you know, we've overfished um, most of you know our conventional fish stocks. Um, fish farming, on its own, has been shown to be, not really a um sustainable practice in in many cases although there have been many improvements that that have been made since the early days and so what we see is you know is another source of of this this kind of um Food that that we love, and by the way, I think there should always be a market for sustainably fished, um, you know, salmon. Um, if if you know people are true stewards of our oceans and and care about uh, the numbers of fish that they pull out of the water, and this is a you know a, a great uh, nutritious product, I think those people should be able to charge a real premium for for those kinds of fish, and and it should be you know it should cost much more. But for us, yes, we we want to have that relatively inexpensive but very high quality product that's that's available to everybody. And so to, to get there, um you know, obviously, you know, we're, there's an initial release and and I'll sort of like, you know talk about that in a second to your question. but the the path you know, is one where, uh, at least in the beginning, the amount that we're able to produce is going to be um, somewhat limited. And so for for that reason, we we want to begin with um with restaurants. And, and when you think about like restaurants versus you know retail, like supermarkets. And so restaurants is are the place that, that we'd want to begin. For one reason we're we're kind of co-building this with a lot of the chefs and restaurateurs that that we've worked with. We've you know been able to Pull together a really interesting community of um these you know food creatives and and love hearing the insights of, you know, how does this taste and what for like preparation would this work really well? What is not great about it? This, this some of our you know greatest lessons we've learned uh just by you know handing the <laughs> sample to a chef. Um it's been some of the most humbling moments as well, um, <laughs> when when our product, you know, in in the early days in particular didn't perform very well. But uh, that that's also part of, you know, kind of explaining the the, the story of how this is created, um, of, of what this is, because it's such a such a different source of, of, of foods that I think people sometimes, you know, it's not a is this a veggie, like imitation? Is this like what, you know, like what, what exactly is it? And, and I think that, you know, just sort of releasing it in, in supermarkets for, for that reason probably isn't the, uh, the, the best. But there's one aspect that I wanted to, to talk about, about the, the timing which is for such a new product like this, I think that what's what's super important, um, especially in a place like uh, the US, is um, people's perceptions around safety. And so the regulatory component, what do you call this even? Um, how is it regulated? What kinds of safety studies, you know, do we do to uh, to ensure the the safety? These are the kinds of conversations we're now having with uh, with regulators, and and in particular for us, it's it's the FDA. For other types of meats, um, it's it's actually USDA and uh, FDA, and that's been a fascinating process to to think about food safety in in the same way that that these regulators do, and it's been a really just actually a a very enriching conversation that um, that we've had um, thinking through these things. But the bottom line is, we don't know, you know, when, how, even if this, uh, this type of product will be approved for sale in the United States. And so so that's something that we um, never said a you know, like publicly talk about a date, because I think we need to be just cognizant of the fact that it's not entirely in our control.
0: Oh, yeah. So give me an example. Let's talk about not your company. But let's talk about the industry. Mm-hmm. Like, when do you foresee some of the first commercially a bit like when when do you foresee it that I could go into a restaurant and maybe not all the restaurants, but like, yeah, some of the nicer restaurants or some of the uh, sushi restaurants, they would have some of this material or, or some of this salmon like normally. Mm-hmm. Like, is that in like five years? Like?
1: yeah, I think it's less than five years. And actually, right. um Eat just, which is another company in our space here here in San Francisco, actually received regulatory approval in Singapore and um, made the first sale of this this type of product. They made chicken nuggets. And from what I understand, it's actually, you know, just on on the menu now at this one restaurant in in Singapore. And so, I think we're closer than than five years. You know, assuming that regulatory issues are, are not a hurdle here, I think we'll start to see this in, you know, a handful of restaurants within the next couple of years.
0: You know, it's amazing what we were able to do with COVID, when with regulatory, uh, I can't even say it, Re- regulations. We yeah. were able to just kind of like, whoop, you know, yeah. and yeah. get stuff going. And I was talking, even during the pandemic, I was talking to David Blair. So he is the CTO of this company called Andela. And mm-hmm. they do oh, yeah, like- yeah. An, they do like engineering teams they're backed by like Zuckerberg and all, that foundation mm-hmm. and everything but they specialized because they went into Africa which was an emerging market right. they got all these people together trained them on developers engineers opened up these like schools it was a really cool thing how they were helping the world and and they're a fantastic company i got the way i found out about them was i got a bunch of recommendations of people telling me that they use them and to go check them out and then i was mm-hmm. like oh let's have them on the show Um, but they're changing the world out there, right? You guys are changing the world out there. And I was just curious because we were talking about population growth on, on that episode with Africa emerging and basically millions of people getting electricity and coming online. We kind of take that for granted. Like in our everyday life, we just imagine that everybody kind of has a cell phone and the internet, but large swaths of our, I think it was like 50% of the world doesn't have internet. It's pretty crazy, but Mm -hmm. these people coming online, growing their populations and the earth growing, like, do you run these types of calculations as far as like how many people there are versus how many fish we need? And maybe there comes a day when it is so in demand that we need to feed the people that the regulations get sped up. Is that like something that's on your mind at all? Yeah. I mean, you know, there are reports every year put
1: out by, um, the world health organization by, you know, um, the food agriculture, the FAO, these are about the state of our fisheries and, um, where in in particular there are there are many communities that depend on fishing and are really struggling not just from a you know nutritional perspective but certainly also from an economic perspective and the, the these numbers are are out there and are constantly sort of being updated and they are increasingly, you know, not not to be a, a total downer, but they're increasingly becoming more and more dire. And and so when I, after moving to to San Francisco, and I, I had met my co-founder Justin um, almost ten years ago. He he was actually at the the business school when I was a resident, and and he sort of really sees things in 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 this way of you know food insecurity the actual eventual you know costs of of meat and seafood over time versus the the, the populations and and this is something that, from from this sort of like scientific, more technical perspective of, of, of mine and and his, we we've really influenced the way that that each of us sort of sees the world. And and this is something that I think about all of the time now. It's hard to imagine, you know, the when we're such a small company right now, of only twenty of us, uh, you know, that thinking about massive impact. But I do think that this is the future in terms of having healthy, sustainable, and relatively accessible um, high quality protein sources for for the world,
0: yeah. the future's happening even faster now. Like before you could see t- a technology, you'd watch it. there was one report, you would watch it mature over ten years. It would kind of start to come into something. then it would come out and then it would take another decade to even spread across. Now things are coming out, refining and like I was just talking yeah. the other day about like uh, they're storing uh, data inside of DNA. Right. Yeah. Fascinating. It's
1: fascinating. It is fascinating. You know, a- another great example of that is is obviously the the vaccine, um, the two vaccines that are, that are currently approved in, in the U.S. And, you know, that that particular technology of um, of a R- messenger RNA uh, as a therapeutic is is what I worked on um, before starting wild type. And it's what brought me to to San Francisco. I was working at UCSF on cardiac therapeutics that were RNA based. And I, you know, as, as I mentioned, I'm, you know, still, still work in the, the ICU. And so I was I felt very lucky to have, to have received the vaccine. And it was a very, it was a very emotional moment for me. It was this, you know, I couldn't believe that, that this thing that I, that that I had worked on and, you know, was not a single therapeutic anywhere. No trials had been <laughs> run just a few years ago. Now with two you know, uh, you know, companies had run simultaneous uh, safety and efficacy studies, and was you know our our best chance at at <laughs> defeating this this pandemic. It's incredible how quickly some of these things happen when when people are are really focused on on just you know I- achieving that. Yeah, it's you're right that <laughs> the future happens. I feel like the future comes to us faster now. <laughs>
0: Yeah. And I think vaccines are a good topic conversation to talk about like fear, too, Mm -hmm. because I was going to ask about fear in relation to you presenting salmon, like whether it's to people or the corporations that fish and all of that. But with um, the MRNA stuff, what was interesting to me was, you know, there's the world kind of splits. Right. And we're working on unification right now. But when the world kind of splits, it's like, okay, well, there's a lot of, you know, upset People, right, and even intra-family things, right, mm-hmm. and so I, I'm a nerd, so I was like, let's go research this. Like, I go PubMed and check it out, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so I started getting as geeky as I could, and when I found out how the mRNA concept work, where it, normal vaccines actually have a version of the the virus in it, but this is the signature of it, so it doesn't actually—they don't even have to manufacture the virus right. to, to produce this. Just those small concepts that I could understand, I was like, this is a brilliant breakthrough. And then so I was hanging out with my brother, who's like really, really great doctor, too. I unfortunately, <laughs> like I found him on health grades and I was like, you're one of the best rated doctors in our city. I was like, that sucks. I was hoping to make fun of you. Because <laughs> we're brothers, right? But, right, right. Of course. Yeah, of you course. Gotta give him a heart. Yep, yeah, yep. And so I, was, so I have a lot of respect for him. I actually went and bought his name as a domain. <laughs> I love it. It'll be <laughs> worth great. more money in 10 years. <laughs> so <laughs> I, so uh, I asked him, I was like, Yeah. I was like, I think the technology is really cool, but everything I read made me think that this was the first time they've used mRNA technology. And he was and so he corrected me. He said, No, 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 they used to use it in A, B, and C or they have used it previously in these other things over here. It's just not like widespread use. And I and so for me, that was actually pretty interesting information because I'm always hesitant as an early adopter when it comes to things like uh, health. Like I'll yeah, early adopt technology all day, but to find the what the articles I was reading made me feel like the mRNA was a brand new technology that was just now created just for this, and it is not. It is something right, that's right. existed and is already currently. You called it therapeutics, like already in therapeutics and things mm-hmm. like that. And so that made me feel a lot better about it.
1: Yeah, and you know, I I, I guess I. I wish that there was just more of that kind of dialogue. I don't I don't know how to foster that sometimes when um because I think that a skepticism or a you know an initial just you know suspicion or just wanting more information is great. It's healthy. It's what science is based on, you know. It's 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 just not Taking what somebody else says for you know as 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 the truth, and and just looking for other you know arguments to support or 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 not support that, and um, it's th- that's one of the things that's just been I think over time as we see in this particular case more people get vaccinated that the sort of same number of, number of adverse events are just on par with what you know all of our vaccines. Um, Currently are, and that people, you know, will develop a sense of trust, and I think it's, you know, that's that's natural. Um, but I but I do wish that there was, you know, just more of this kind of like, is this really a new technology? Like, how has this been studied? What truly are the concerns when we think about using a vaccine like this in in the first uh, for for the first time? It's probably different from the, the scientists probably have different or the physicians have different um, ideas of what might be, you know, problematic about it than 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 others might. And so I, I think that just yeah, more of this kind
0: of conversation is 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 what we need. And we need more nutrients. Because I was watching this Origin series <laughs> and they were explaining to us how some of the nutrients actually improved our brain and our cognitive abilities. And you mentioned that several times. So there's yeah. truth to that. Nutrients in general, I think just like anything else, it's um, it's
1: probably more in the details and how much you know like which ones and what what doses and, and and so forth. but but certainly, I think that when it comes to like the evolution of our brains and um, you know certain certain nutrients have been critically important in being able to create these you know kinds of complex uh, networks and and so forth that um, that have given us the the intelligence
0: that that we have. Still more intelligence that we need, but <laughs> oh yeah. That I was driving yesterday, and I was actually thinking about that. There's like a spectrum of intelligence, and we kind of are always default because there's so much input. Our brains are trained to focus down on our small communities, our families, and things right. like that. But you know, sometimes I'll do like volunteering stuff or get to experience the spectrum that is humanity, and it's just it's amazing. And so when I then go watch a documentary on how nutrients impacted our evolution and our abilities to think critically or control emotions. And then I can go out into public and I can see a spectrum of people of all shapes and sizes. I can just see the variety. And it's so interesting because I just, I don't know, whoever created this game, whatever's going on here with life, (laughs) I think it's absolutely fascinating. I don't mean to get too far, too far. No, I, 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 I'm actually glad you said that, you know, it's, it's one of the,
1: I think it's Exactly what you just said is is probably the reason that that I've stayed with um, with medicine throughout this. And even if, you know, I'm not working at, in the hospital nearly as much as, you know, I, I was during residency, um, as you can imagine, wild type is, you know, feels like three full time jobs. But um, but it's it feels like a a really special place to be in, you know, in the hospital and particularly, you know with just to be part of patients lives in this way um and to 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 feel part of that humanity that you're describing and to it's it's a it's a really amazing thing it's 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 why i went into medicine to you know in, in the first
0: place it's amazing how adaptable we are across social structures and all types of boundaries like i can connect with pretty much anyone who can have a conscious conversation
1: yeah right? Isn't that amazing that, you know, and, 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 and what's, what's always amazing to us more than that is, you know, we imagine that there's something about growing up in, let's say the U S or like the, but these are things that if you're put in another country in a completely different cultural context in a totally different part of the world, these things really are universal and we can, you know, create these, these very, you know, deep, bonds of just, you know, understanding and um, with with pretty much anyone. It's it's fascinating to me as well. I'm so glad you said that.
0: Yeah, when I started, when I got the first opportunities to travel internationally. Like you have this, like before you get to do that, you have yeah. this whole like mental image of what it might be or what you've heard and everything. And then you go there and you're like, this is just like over there.
1: <laughs> right, there's, right,
0: There's more in common than there are different I mean, over there, we've got people in our city that speak multiple languages over here. There's people that speak like, okay, the food is like different, but there's like some really great stuff. And there's some stuff I already know. It's just amazing how, you know, I really think that this act of, of we're, we're in this sort of like technological puberty right now where mm-hmm. we basically all just turned on at the same time and are learning on how to be mature with that. But, <laughs> but I, I'm it's a great analogy. Like right. That. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I feel like we're in. Yeah.
1: It's true. I, I, I wonder what a more sort of mature version of, of us incorporating technology in our lives will look like in, in the future, hopefully a, a more mature and and not you know an even more
0: rebellious teenager <laughs> doing more destructive things i think growing I, I i don't like the way it sounds i don't like the 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 sentence growing meat in labs like we have to find a better <laughs> way to say that yeah. right but <laughs> nobody uh, likes that <laughs> nobody likes that nobody likes it but uh, how about like not slaughtering animals like i'm cool with that like you know nobody likes the sound if you if you talk I've been experimenting with this since I knew you were coming on the show. Mm -hmm. Um, I'll be around friends or in some, some setting or something. And I'll say something along the lines of, Oh yeah, it doesn't sound uh," or you don't like the sound of me saying I shot a cow in the head with a bolt gun and cooked it and ate it. But you eat hamburgers. Like we don't, we kind of find this way to like bifurcate what the action is and what we're doing. So that where it's like diffused responsibility and and, right. but I also struggle with my internal stuff. Like I f- feel like I'd have no problem hunting. Like it would not be a great moment. It would not be an exciting moment to have to kill, but like to kill and prepare the animal. I was like, you would honor the animal and you would do that. So like, I'm okay with that. But at the same time, it's like, if we don't have to do that, like if you can produce something right. that's in- indistinguishable in a more economical way, or in an equally economical way, it- or even if an unequally economical way like if you could just produce it's the texture man that's what it is yeah Aria, it's the texture if you can give so me the right. texture and the taste everyone's so, everyone would be on board i don't yeah. there's like there's nobody that's going to be like oh no i love the fact that when i hunt wild animals i have to get my own meat tested that i cook <laughs> because i don't know if those specific deer have this issue like the hunters would even like it you know
1: yeah it's true i mean you know when they've at, when social scientists have asked people like what is it that you like about meat for the overwhelming majority of people, it's not the fact that it comes from a dead animal. Like people don't, <laughs> like that's not what people like about meat. They like how it tastes. They like the sort of, you know, cultural aspects of it. They like what it what it represents. What, there, there are all kinds of things, the, the nutrition of it, all, all of these things. And so you're right. We We're very good at kind of Isolating ourselves from the whole process of, um, you know, what what it takes to, to to harvest meat. I think in your in your case of you know hunting for your own meat, I think hunters probably appreciate the meat they have much more because of you know just every everything that goes into hunting an animal. And um, I I totally agree. But I'm curious actually because you said nobody likes the sound of lab grown meat, and from the beginning of this industry we actually haven't really been able to come up with a great way to a great name for it a great kind of like you know cellular agriculture that sounds really abstract it sounds nice but like what does that really mean and and anything that says cells i i don't know how appetizing that is right and then people have looked at, well, we have plant-based, which was basically a word that was created because um, of the negative connotations with veganism. And so anything that was sort of vegan, people wanted like another way to say like, this is, you know I mean? <laughs> and so, so now we have plant-based, which, you know, um, sounds great. And so the, the way of distinguishing um, our industry of actually growing sort of real meat in this way was to call it cell-based. But there are a lot of problems with that because everything is made of cells. Plants are made of cells. So anything that's plant based is, is also <laughs> sort of cell based. And so I, I'm curious, what what do you think a good <laughs> word would be for
0: this? By the way, this is like my favorite thing in the world right now, coming really? up with names and stuff. Oh yeah. I've I, we need yeah. your help. I'm I'm gonna work on it. I don't think I can give it to you on the spot, yeah. but I've got to dr- I'm going to see right after this, right? Um, I'm going home, grabbing the cooler, picking up the kids from school, and we're going to drive across the state to see a rocket launch. Oh, wow. So we're going to camp out there tonight, and it's going to launch in the morning. So oh, amazing. Um, yeah, yeah. So on the drive, I'm going to put this to work in the back of my mind because this is a problem that needs to be solved. It's, yeah. uh, we just need to come up with the phrase that people are okay with, and they're willing to give it a shot.
1: Right. I, I imagine it might be in the future something that – is some some new term you know something that that people haven't used previously that now like people start to understand what this is you know this was a big problem with the dairy industry really objected to the use of, you know, almond milk because almonds don't produce <laughs> milk, right? I, I, don't, I don't know if you're familiar with this. Oh, like the, I am. Yeah. <laughs> okay, okay. I mean, the the, the legal cases behind it, th- this is just fascinating to me. Um, but the the sort of extent to which this became an issue is 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 the more fascinating. <laughs> and so I think that this will be something very very similar. You know, if this is nutritionally the same, structurally, like under a microscope, looks the same, has the same DNA as, you know, as as fish uh, from the, in every single way, like is actually the same, but is just created in a different way. How can it not be called salmon? Right. But I think, you know, people just have this, this idea that it needs to, in order for it to be salmon, it needs to come from a salmon.
0: Well, so, it does you're just amplifying the salmon cell. You're amplifying existing cells, right? You're right. not manufacturing the base cells. You're amplifying existing right, ones. Right, right. Or cloning them to some degree.
1: Exactly. We we start with with cells from from a salmon. So that's but that's that's still a you know, an open debate and and you can imagine that there are groups of people who who want to portray this as not real meat or not real salmon or not real seafood. And, and yet I think, you know, ultimately what we want is just transparency for customers to, to know what it is, what, what, how it was made, what, what, what it has, what it doesn't have, you know, things like that. And, um, but it's, it's tough. You need to have like a whole hour long conversation like this <laughs> to to sometimes explore that. And when it's on a restaurant menu, you know, that opportunity often doesn't exist.
0: Yeah. There's, there's definitely a couple ways to do it that are running through my head. But yeah, I, I, I ran a, in our in our prep meeting. They extensively explained to me the battle that is the milk. And there's billboards. There's billboards that say <laughs> right. like not milk is not milk that I was told about. Um, yeah. And then and then I was like, what what is almond milk? And I'm going to put this on Jake. This is not me. Jake <laughs> said it's nut juice. And and then we 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 laughed for, I don't know if we'll cut this out, but we couldn't have the, I was like, that's what it's called. (laughs) (laughs) But I think it's for you, for you. I mean, it's salmon cells. Um, I think it's going to be something really simple. You know, you're probably going to take a word people already love and attach to it and do a lot of branding. I see one, I see one thing like the, the leader whoever leads this, uh, revolution inside of your current competitive, I don't know if it's competitive. You said there was like a couple other companies, but if anyone else is doing salmon, whoever the brand name is would take over. So when I go to the store, Oh, I want, I want the wild type salmon. Right. Like, and then it would just become ubiquitous and people would understand that and it would be a brand thing. Like you don't say, I want a Tesla car. You say, I want a Tesla.
1: Right, you know? and and you know we've seen that with other you know if you look at the Beyond Burger and Impossible Foods like you know people don't ask for the Beyond plant based <laughs> patty, right? They uh, <laughs> it's just the that's Beyond true, Burger right? or the Impossible Burger, and, and that's kind of what it is. You're you're right. You know branding ultimately will be what it is, but from the standpoint of, of you know regulation, again, this is something that um, just becomes a an issue of just consumer transparency, which which we. Know, really believe strongly in and um, I think is, is an important one. Um, but um, it's just one we haven't really achieved a consensus yet.
0: Yeah, that's where the brand doesn't work when it right. you have to have an industry term that everybody in the industry holds on to, because then it would become so you'd probably like pick something like curated salmon or you would I would what I would do if, there's like naming exercises and branding yeah, and marketing. Yeah. So like what I would do is I'd like look at your manufacturing process, like look at what you guys actually do, like see pictures of it, listen and understand and read about it. And then just kind of like start writing down words and figure out like there will be something that will come together through that process. And uh, that's typically how I do like naming.
1: Yeah, I, you know, to some extent that, you know, those exercises have um have been but I but I still feel like this is an elusive. <laughs> this is an elusive question uh, of of how to how to do it right. But um, are there other people doing salmon? Um, there are certainly at least two or three other companies working on seafood. I don't know to what extent you know salmon um, is. You know, when we when we began, uh, there were probably there were probably four, maybe five other companies in the world working on this, and now the number is more than fifty. Uh, and that's just in the last four years, which is which is great. You know, so many people working on this, this problem. And, um, and I I don't see it as, as competition, because none of us, there, there's no product on the market, except the chicken nugget that I was uh, describing. So We're all kind of, you know, just, just trying to make the best products and work together at, you know, for the transparency of regulation um, at this stage. But uh, it's been great to see this sort of really flourish into its, its own industry. There are now companies that are starting specifically to address some of the individual um, issues of, um, of scaling for companies like ours to, to support the industry um, like, like ours, which is, which is really heartening and, and just, I think, a, a wonderful thing.
0: What did what did the chicken nugget people do to get through regulatory? Like, how did they refer to their chicken nuggets?
1: Yeah, I think um, I think it was cultivated meat is what, but I'm not I'm not sure. You might have to check, but I think that's what the um the the term that they used when they were working with the um with the government in Singapore.
0: That doesn't sound bad. That's that's some kind of curated curated salmon. It's just you know curated mm-hmm. meat. Yeah. If you could make it shorter, I think curated be- is better than, I mean, cause you're curating, you're putting the things together.
1: Yeah. I actually like versus that nature putting I them like together. Curating. Yeah.
0: I mean, it's what you're doing. You're curating these cells like, and you're curating salmon. Yeah. It's not, it's not, de- it's not um, deceptive by any means. I mean, it's mm-hmm. definition technically correct what you're doing. I really like that one. Yep. There you go. That's great. (laughs) I'll send an invoice your way. Yep. Yep. (laughs) Awesome. No, this is great. I've got one last question and it should have been like the, one of the first questions. Do you have like software developers or technology or computer systems? I, you mentioned like brewery type setup, like what sort of technology, even if it's like lab equipment, like what sort of geeky technology exists at your company?
1: Oh, um, yeah. So a lot of it is around the, the, you know, the biological sciences. So it's things, it's ways to analyze a lot of the the data that comes um, from just studying our cells. So that can be everything from which nutrients are they using and systems that are used to to, to measure that to um, when we look at very large data sets of basically sequencing the the genome of our cells to, to make sure that there aren't any um, irregularities or any problems, um, you know, these are often very, very large data sets that um, that we'll use a variety of different you know like software to to, to help us analyze I'd say those are the the main uh, I mean, oh, you know for for the um, the cultivators or the sort of fermenters that, that we use, there's, there's always, you know, little sort of control towers that have their own, um, often proprietary software, um, to control everything from the the pH, the temperature, the, you know, rotational speed and, and so forth. So that's, you know, the, those are, I think that that's a, it's a pretty good sort of, you know, summary of, of the type of IT infrastructure that we need to, to do the, um, the, the research that we do.
0: Nice. You put a sign up. This is like curation center instead of lab. Right? <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah.
1: No, I, we, we, we don't call it the, the lab and you know, it's like, yeah. Um, I think for, for the same, but you know, a lot of foods actually start in a lab, like Doritos started in a lab, you know?
0: And, um, and I wouldn't most, pair yourself up with Dorito. Right. Right. The, well, the beer scientist. also. Right. Exactly. Uh, beer. Exactly. Okay. Beer works. Yeah. Beer yeah. works. Excellent point. Yeah. <laughs> Oh man, this is so great! You, this is we made a podcast. How do you feel, Joel? I feel great. This was Me this too. was awesome. It's just really fun. Uh, I, I, we should uh, we should do this every week. <laughs> For sure, I'm gonna put on my calendar to catch up with you next year. I'm gonna say I want like we want you to be massively successful. Um, so anything we can do to help, just let us know. That's so kind. Thank you so much. All right, you have a fantastic day. You too. Take care.